0: You know, I was reading somewhere about culture and building high-performing schools, and there was this idea that schools get it wrong when they do things to, right, and maybe even for the community in which they serve. The magic of culture, the secret behind creating something that I would consider world-class is when you create the culture with the community in tandem And you go to them as experts. Today's guest has a lot of experience building things with the community. And it's my pleasure to tell her story on today's show. Hey, it's Danny, and welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, a show for ruckus makers, those out of the box leaders making change happen in education. And we'll be right back after a few messages from our show sponsors. (music) Establish your legacy with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Learn from Harvard Business and Education School faculty as you develop the frameworks, skills, and knowledge you need to drive change improvement in your learning community. Programs run October 12th to November 9th, 2022. Apply by Friday, September 30th for our upcoming cohort at BetterLeadersBetterSchools.com slash Harvard. Are you automatically tracking online student participation data during COVID? Innovative school leaders across the country have started tracking online student participation using TeachFX because it's one of the most powerful ways to improve student outcomes during COVID, especially for English learners and students of color. Learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer at teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder, who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning, whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at organizedbinder.com. Hey there, Ruckusmaker. Today, I am joined by Madeline Mortimore, the Global Education Innovation and Research Lead for Logitech, where she leads research on edtech hardware. With years of experience as a classroom teacher, Madeline has developed a curriculum for grades 4 through 12. Her research expertise includes positions at the MIT Teaching and Learning Lab. Madeline has a Master of Education from the Harvard University, Graduate School of Education, who, by the way, is a sponsor of the podcast. Maddie, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much, Danny. I'm so excited to be here today and can't wait to chat with you.
0: Uh, The pleasure is mine. Thanks for being my guest. And I'd love to start talking about reorienting the structure of the Logitech team towards impact for students. What was that like for you?
1: Yeah, such a fantastic first question. And I joined Logitech as the first education-focused hire, coming from an education background and going into very much a corporate environment where everyone was used to that uh, particular structure and no one was coming directly from the classroom or an education setting. And what was really important from the get-go was to find a way to share my knowledge and really empower other people on the team, my colleagues, co-workers, uh, to make sure they were armed with the right knowledge of what is truly a classroom. There often is very, um, very much many assumptions uh, going into what what pertains to a classroom uh, nowadays. Many people try and pull upon their past experiences, which as we know is not realistic. It's it's very different being a student a number of years ago versus <laughs> having to integrate technology into the classroom, design curriculum and make it work in that environment. And so my second um, main goal after sharing all of that initial knowledge in various ways was to make sure we have a culture of not having assumptions. And so it's very easy to think, well this particular product must do well in the classroom because it's this size. That's an assumption. So I've really focused on building a culture where we test rigorously, whether it's talking with educators themselves, students, uh, putting products into classrooms to test uh, in various different ways. And then thirdly, I'd say it's been a big um, change and shift having very clear values on how we function as an education team uh, slightly differently to Logitech as a whole company. So we worked hard to develop values specifically for our team and how we want to make true an impact in the education space, not just what's easiest um, from a company standpoint.
0: Hmm. Yeah, all those uh, I could definitely dig into more. I'm, I'm curious well, I want to talk about the assumptions and, and I also want to bring up like the question, what is a classroom, right? Because uh, a lot of times we, we have a worldview, our shared, you know, history and experiences that inform, right? What is a classroom? What is a school? You know, I'll work with individual private clients and we'll talk about success or failure. What is success? What is failure, right? Like these are all things to, to wrestle with. Um, so I, I just want to note that because I think it's brilliant that starting off with the team, what is a classroom? Let's let's talk about that. But that's also the testing of, of assumptions part, you know. One hundred
1: percent. Yeah, one hundred percent.
0: Can you tell me more of just about that a, approach? Um, I'm just I'm very I'm very curious mm-hmm. about assumptions right now
1: yeah absolutely and that's such a great point that you brought up around the assumption of what a classroom looks like and we did a lot of work on that the past few years where we were looking into you know whether the really quick changing landscape of hybrid remote there's different types of hybrid there's different types of remote, whether it's the educator side the student side and so we we dug really deeply into that as well, and one way that we did that, um, going back to your question just now on testing assumptions, was we built a community of educators, students, parents, IT decision makers, and we have hundreds of them in a community that we have. And we make sure by default that we run any questions past them. We gather data, we gather primary research. And that's one way that we test assumptions. Another way is that we go into classrooms ourselves and so we'll observe directly, we'll talk directly with students, we'll have schools test out um, different products at different stages and we'll observe, we'll gather feedback, we'll gather data and we really have this culture of leaving no stone unturned, whether it's at a high level thinking about what a classroom is or at a more granular level of should we have this feature uh, for this particular product. Mm.
0: So I'm hearing almost, I guess, using the community as a, f- a large focus group uh, and, and going straight to them, talking to them. And, and I'm pointing this out for the Ruckus Maker listening because you, you have naturally a community already built. It's the community you serve within the school. So you should bring in uh, people that represent all aspects of that community, the test ideas, test assumptions with, and uh, for the listeners that have been around forever, I know this This is uh, true for you. You're constantly in classrooms, but potentially for newer listeners, like if you're not in classrooms, you need to be. That's where the action's happening, right? And anything you want to do, any type of change you want to make or however you want to support the school in becoming better, the solutions are found there in the classroom. So,
1: Most definitely. Um- A last point on that, and I love the point she just brought up, is making sure all voices are heard within this type of decision making. So even if it's a parent voice, which might not be the prominent person interacting with that product or service, but they do have a touch point and they do have a perception of of that and they have different observations. And so any kind of stakeholder, uh, it's really important to integrate their voice into any of that uh, process.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Everybody wants to know that they're seen and heard. Incorporating voice is so, so important. So you, you've transitioned uh, taking your experience from education and now it's, you know, being utilized in a, a corporate setting. I'd love to just ask you, what have you learned about driving change within an organization like Logitech?
1: Yeah, definitely. I I'd say, first of all, not being afraid to really... Stand your ground when you know that by doing something perhaps the harder route or more complex route that you'll have a bigger impact within the classroom. And sometimes it's hard to really stand your ground when you know there's that environment where maybe it's cheaper, maybe it's faster, or will we need to hit a certain timeline. And so I've really learned that my personal North Star is just as important as having the team values and North Star. So I can stay really focused when there are those uh, decisions to make, when it's the impact in the classroom, uh, sometimes against you know the corporate need to be within a certain budget or timeline.
0: Mm-hmm. I want to hear more about the North Star. I have a personal philosophy. It's four words it's called be an intentional catalyst. I know that change is happening around me all the time, right? And de- depending on my energy and what I bring to the table, I could speed up that change for better or for worse. But when it comes to your personal North Star, what what is that?
1: Yeah, so for me personally, it's, it's a subset of one of our team North Stars, but it's how are we making true impact within the classroom and for our students? And that can take many different routes. But for example, I'll pressure test that versus a particular feature we're looking to build in uh, behind the initial stages of visioning what a new product or a set of products could look like whether we're having to choose between certain vendors or manufacturers and thinking about the types of materials, really pressure testing against what is the true value and impact in the classroom. Mm. And sometimes that is different to what's best from a company standpoint. And if I have that firmly as a North Star, I'm able to consistently bring up points and make my case um, as to why we should go with X versus Y. But it's really important to have that personally firmly grounded, especially being one of the only people within the company really coming from that background and uh, driving that change.
0: Yeah, so just to reflect back and correct me wherever I get it wrong, but if you have this North Star of uh, really trying to drive impact for students right, and change for students, that sometimes might go against the fastest, most efficient, um, budget-friendly, you know, profit margins, all this kind of stuff, but it's what's best for, you know, students in your opinion. So, and you had to change that um, a bit in the team. So, wow. Okay. Did I get that right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's definitely a balance and it takes time, Uh, but it's, it's really important to build that muscle and that muscle memory within the team to get that, That type of thinking, especially when usually in a corporate setting, it's the north star is those kinds of KPIs, the timeline, the budget. But we need to incorporate the impact within the KPIs as as well.
0: Absolutely, and I'm excited. We'll get to talking about some of the uh, tools you know that you've built that have greater impact. Um, But maybe one more question before we we get there. So, you know, you're coming into this new organization. you're, You're you're building buy-in around these ideas and this North Star of impact for kids. Uh, what's it like for you in terms of, of uh, I guess, getting people on board for this new collective purpose? How did that work out for you?
1: Definitely. So one of my biggest aspects that I really advocate for is that everyone in the team should spend some time in the classroom. So we have some schools where we collaborate with, uh, where we observe uh, different classrooms, uh, we interact with their educators on the ground within the school. Because without having that, you could read through articles, you could watch YouTube videos, you could uh, read endless PowerPoints. But without being directly in the classroom, uh, there's really not a genuine way to get buy-in. It's kind of secondhand smoke buy-in, if that makes sense. And so I know once people spend time within the classroom, they can really feel um, some of the challenges, some of the joys, and that's really essential to getting that buy-in. Another aspect that I also advocate for is if they can actually try and teach something in any capacity, even if it's an online class, even if it's back to the team, like a mock kind of classroom, uh, whether they can volunteer at a school, like a weekend study sessions, anything like that. Because until you're in the shoes of an educator, you really can't fully empathize with what goes into that 45 minute lesson.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm not going to reveal this individual, but I was talking (laughs) to somebody who is highly successful in terms of Uh, he's in medicine. Okay. Super duper successful. And he he told me that uh, he was thinking of teaching as sort of the safe, you know, ride into retirement type of deal when he was done with his medical profession, he started serving, you know, on a board for education and started getting like your people, your team, you're encouraging them to get them more involved. And he was more involved volunteering in classrooms and boy, did his assumption of what it takes to run a classroom get challenged. And he's like, that job is infinitely harder than mine, actually, as a doctor, right? And I will be the first to say, I, I think actually being a classroom teacher was more challenging for me than actually leading in administration. I, that's that's just, that's my lived experience. So yeah, I'm really, really happy to hear that you encourage your people to, to get in there and see what it's like.
1: That's a fantastic story that really highlights, yeah, that highlights many of the sentiments I've heard from the team <laughs> as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, cool. Well, uh, Maddie, I'm going to, we're going to pause here just for a second to get a few uh, messages in for our, from our sponsors, but when we come back, I would love to hear what some of the Logitech tools for the classroom are out these days and what you're most excited about. Learn the framework, skills, and knowledge you need to drive change improvement in your learning community with Harvard's Online Certificate in School Management and Leadership, a joint collaboration between the Harvard Graduate School of Education and Harvard Business School. Connect and collaborate with fellow school leaders as you address your problems of practice in our Online Professional Development Program. Apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com. Harvard During COVID, every teacher is a new teacher. That's why innovative school leaders are turning to TeachFX, whose virtual PD is equipping thousands of teachers with the skills they need to create engaging, equitable, and rigorous virtual or blended classes. To learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer, visit teachfx.com/blbs. That's teachfx.com/blbs. All right, and we're back with Madeline Mortimer, the Global Education, Innovation, and Research Lead for Logitech. And before the break, I mentioned I would love to hear about some of the tools Logitech has built in uh, the recent time that you're the most excited about. So yeah, what has you excited these days?
1: Yeah, definitely. So one of the most recent tools that have come out that I'm really excited about and one of my first ma- major projects at Logitech is the Logitech Pen. So the Logitech Pen is a USI-enabled status for Chromebooks, which means any Chromebook that is touchscreen-enabled uh, can use this pen. And beyond just the fact that it's one of the only and main classroom-made uh, Chromebook statuses, uh, what I'm so excited about is just the rigor behind how we develop this product, and it's one thing to feel good about releasing a product, and there's one, and it's another thing to feel truly proud. And I can say confidently that I feel truly proud about this product. And we really, from the ground up, developed a very rigorous process, incorporating uh, firstly student voice. So we had hundreds of students play around with prototypes, do different tasks, and through all of that data. Both from the design itself, the shape, uh, but as well as the color, different uh, features. Uh, we worked directly with students, which I think is relatively rare, especially when it comes to hardware. Uh, usually, it's mm. it, it definitely was an example of what I discussed earlier: a trade-off in time. It, it took. I'd say significantly more time incorporating that many students into the process. Mm -hmm. Uh, But for me, having a product where it's essentially made by students and we're the facilitator, which I think is really, really powerful. Um, We also worked with uh, multiple ergonomists to make sure it's a very ergonomic design uh, for all different types of ages, especially with the increase in one to one devices, students are mainly on the device or day (laughs) as their primary learning tool. So having having interaction um, tools, especially something like a stylus where you're using uh, for hours on end, it's really important that it has that ergonomics um, integrated within the product, especially for younger students who may not have a lot of experience holding a stylus uh, for long periods of time. And so having that Integrated into the product design, uh, as well as the student voice, was really uh, a powerful uh, process. Mm. And it's so interesting when you really listen to students, how many different types of features come up. So we looked at how students, different styles of writing. And so depending on, we saw a lot of different styles of writing and how they actually hold the pen, and so we integrated things like uh, the non slip grip, especially and the length of that, depending on the different styles of writing. So, depending on how you hold it, you can still have an ergo friendly way to hold it. Um, if especially the younger ones, we noticed they would get <laughs> slightly sweaty hands. As okay. if any <laughs> educated listening, you can. Uh, especially the younger ones, and and so we had the, we have uh, material which accommodates that as well, and so we that whole process of the student voice, the ergonomics factor, and then. Third, and finally, uh, the educator voice. And this goes back to what I was discussing earlier, how important it is to have voices from different angles because that's really when true innovation can happen. And listening from an educator standpoint of what they would want within a product like this, where it's um, aspects like, how can we save time with this? Well, one way to save time is that you don't have to pair it with each individual device. And so we have a no pairing design that allows Uh, students to just get straight to work, as well as educators, they're able to take their stylus, maybe make annotations or notes on different students' uh, devices as well. And so to summarize just what's so exciting about this is the student voice, uh, multiple different angles of innovation from the ergonomics uh, side and the different materials, as well as just bringing in the educator standpoint and how this product can be seamlessly integrated into any learning environment.
0: Well, you you sold me on the idea of the no pairing, right? I I have a few Bluetooth, you know, pieces of hardware, I guess what you call it. I'm not a tech guy, so whatever. Tell me when I'm wrong. But I have multiple, <laughs> multiple devices that they need to connect to, right? And it's just it's super annoying pairing them all to all, you know, all of it. I didn't know you were gonna me this in the interview or our conversation and so um just to hear to remove that friction so that that's actually sort of a meta lesson right for the ruckus maker listening wherever in your school experience whether it's vision or values right or the teacher in the classroom wherever you can reduce friction to make it easier right for the the user so to speak that's your faculty the student you're going to see some success there so the no pairing i'm like that genuinely like maybe super excited, like, wow, I want to check that out because that just seems easy and that's good. So um, Maddie, I'm curious, like when you, when you do go to the students or to the faculty, you, you mentioned the, the the sweaty hands, which is funny, but was there anything else, you know, just maybe the ways uh, that people were interacting with the stylist, so to speak, and, and you might, you might not remember, but was there anything else just being there on the ground with them that like surprised you?
1: Yeah, so what's really important is we looked at many different ages and it's really important to take in the different Mm -hmm. child development stages, especially when we're talking about lower elementary using this product. And we actually observe and have different tasks that are age appropriate, both from a physical and cognitive uh, developmental stages. Uh, And so it was interesting to see the different ways in which depending on how long they've been writing, they've been holding uh, the pen. And also when it came to the actual design itself, there was very different viewpoints from lower elementary to middle school, for example, on what they actually were excited about from a color and material aspect. And so it was really interesting thinking about how can we innovate for a span of age ranges? And it really came back to a lot of universal design principles. So if we design for lower elementary, for certain aspects, you know, extending the silicon, no slip, grip because they hold it in different ways, that actually overlapped with middle schoolers who use it for both writing, sketching for STEM courses, and they were able to hold the pen for the different activities in from that sense as well. And so it was interesting to break it down by age, really map out all of the use case scenarios, all of the different tasks to be done, all of the different preferences. And when you lay it out very comprehensively and rigorously, you actually see that there's many different overlaps uh, with even though upon first glance, it's very different use cases. And so I'd say the takeaway was in terms of what stood out was Even on the surface, when it looked like there were so many student needs, when you really map it out comprehensively in that way, again, the use cases, tasks to be done, preferences, there's a lot of overlap. And so that was really exciting to see and a really fun design challenge.
0: Yeah, great. Thank you for taking the time to to explain that. So we've talked about the stylus. I'm not sure if there's any other tools you'd like to bring into the conversation and and if so, you know, do any of those tools potentially alleviate the stress that we've all been really experiencing in classrooms these days?
1: Yeah, such a good question. And I think it goes back to the point you raised earlier with how do we reduce friction? And the mm-hmm. way we think about it is, you know, you have the device, you have the learning environment, you have the user who has different needs that may be at different stages of development, and then you have the task to be done. and usually there is friction between those different points and because the increase in one-to-one devices have happened so quickly there, there's still this um, friction point with just the one-to-one device and suddenly all of the tasks have to be done uh, within this one-to-one device which isn't built particularly to fit all individual student needs and the tasks to be done which then in turn increases. Uh, this stress factor, especially among younger students uh, in elementary school when they're still developing things like fine motor skills, uh, which comes to my first first, uh, tool, which I think is really useful, is the mouse. So particularly among elementary school students, they're still developing those uh, skills which are needed to use trackpad. So if a Chromebook or a Windows machine is in in the uh, classroom, it's really then a battle between their ability to use the tech, not their um, true knowledge that they have. And so when you add a mouse in there, it's a lot easier in terms of um, fine motor skill skill development that's needed to use it. And so in turn, we've seen it decrease uh, fatigue using a device so they're able to concentrate for longer periods of time. And in turn, they're able to focus on the task at hand rather than trying to use a piece of equipment that they're not yet able to really appropriately use uh, at that age yet. So that's one example of a tool um, I'd really recommend.
0: Brilliant. Thanks, Maddie. All right. Well, uh, I loved hearing about the, the stylus and, and the mouse as well. Um, now would be the time if there's one more that you would just want to highlight to say, hey, go check it out. Uh Let's do that. And then I would love to ask you the last few questions um, that I ask all my guests.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I'd say as well uh, for the iPad side, having an iPad keyboard case is really important. And so Mm -hmm. again, a lot of, and this moving on from elementary school, when you get to middle school and even high school, if you have just the iPad, uh, the task to be done writing at higher volume is a lot harder when you're using an on-screen keyboard. And so having an external keyboard really reduces that friction, alleviates that stress and enables students to just fully focus on the task at hand. And this is becoming increasingly important because over 70% of states in the US now require an external keyboard uh, for iPad assessments. And so it's... If you're, imagine going into a test and the stress levels just from the test coming up, but as well, you suddenly have to use a new piece of equipment, an external keyboard just for that test. Uh, We've seen that not be effective, uh, but we've heard from educators when they have the iPad keyboard uh, throughout the entire school year, not only are they able to just complete um, different tasks more seamlessly, they're able to approach test day um, with a lot less test anxiety.
0: Oh, That's great. Well, Mary, you know, if you could put a message on all school marquees around the world for a single day, what would your message read?
1: If I could do that, which I would love <laughs> to do, I would say it would be voice and choice. So I think that's really important, both from your ruckus maker standpoint uh, when it comes to building out different things within your community, uh, similar to what I mentioned at the beginning, really incorporating voice from many different standpoints. And then on the choice side, uh, I really think a lot of these different tech tools enable choice. So whether whatever is best for uh, that particular student for their learning process, what's best for that educator in delivering that particular lesson. And what's best for that learning environment as well. So having that choice aspect is what I see uh, being really important moving forward.
0: And now, Maddie, if you were building your dream school and you had no limitations in terms of resources, your only limitation was your imagination. How would you go about building your dream school and what would be the three guiding principles?
1: Amazing. I love this question. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I could think about this all day. I would say, however, maybe it's not super exciting, but for me, it gets me really excited. Just looking at the foundation of tech within the classroom. So, three guiding principles the ability to hear and be heard. So, both from the Mm -hmm. student's standpoint, the educator's standpoint, the ability to see and be seen, again, from both standpoints, and the ability to interact. And these three core areas, still now in this current landscape with one-to-one devices, we're in different types of learning environments, they're not fully covered all the time. But what we've seen is when students are really equipped with the right tools, as well as educators, uh, it really makes all the difference uh, in the learning process and just the overall joy within the classroom.
0: Right. We've covered a lot of ground today, Maddie. Of everything we discussed, what's the one thing you want a Ruckus Maker to remember?
1: I would say the one thing for a Ruckus uh, Maker to remember is that it doesn't always have to be the really exciting, flashy, new projects. It can really be just covering the foundational needs of students when it comes to tech uh, within a classroom and learning environment.